of the blood. Somebody need to keep singing about the blood. We need to keep preaching about the blood. Amen. Everybody's trying to clean up everybody. Nothing will clean up a dirty soul like the blood of Jesus. Raise your hand if you're glad he cleans you up. Amen. Praise his holy name. Thank God. Let's thank all of those with the music today who've been a blessing to us. Let's give them thanks today. What a blessing. What a blessing to be in a place where the songs come from the scripture. And uh, that's what it's all about. It's not just the beat and the sound. It's the substance. Words matter. Amen. And may God help us. We appreciate all of the music from start to finish. It's just been wonderful. Let's go back to Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter number 10. And somebody tell me what we're talking about. Huh? Strange fire. It seems like every time we come back to church, something else strange has happened. Now listen. The forecast for strange fire is indefinite until Jesus comes back. At every stage in life, there have always been perpetrators. Come on. Those who counterfeit the work of God, thinking they won't get count, won't get caught, rather. How many of you know you don't ever do anything that doesn't get caught by God? So, strange fire. There's a stripe of every religion, everywhere you can turn. Religion is kind of like a smorgasbord. You just kind of walk through, see what you like, and leave what you don't. And so, depending on what kind of personality you have, there's some type of religion, denomination, some stripe or functionality of what considers itself to be Christianity or religious for you. Here's the problem. When we begin to bend and shape what we do by way of religion to fit people, it's going to always be flawed. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, 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 religion. See, God never intended for his way to fit us. He intended for us to fit his way. So the strange, the strange, the strange, chapter 10. The strange fire, chapter 10, verse 1, is what was happening at the very beginning of time when worship got its genesis, if you would. It was happening way back then. By the way, you say, well, it's Leviticus. I mean, at least it took three books for it to happen. No, 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 no. Adam and Eve had two sons. One by the name of Cain, another by the name of Abel. Abel offered sacrifice that pleased God. Cain offered the first fruits of his flock. 
God was pleased with Abel and displeased with Cain. It's not written in there explicitly, but I would submit to you that early in Scripture in the first family was some strange fire. So it's always been, since worship has begun, there's been strange fire. So I am not so naive as to think that up in here, right where we are today, there might not just be some strange fire. What's the goal? The goal is to preach it out of you. Sometimes you're doing something strange because you don't know better. How many believe you ought to leave church having learned something? I wouldn't go to a church where I never learned anything. That couldn't teach me anything. I wouldn't listen to preaching that sounded good, felt good, had me shouting, but I didn't learn it. Listen, listen. When you land back on the ground tomorrow morning, you better have more than a shout. You better have some substance, something that's going to help you. And by the way, I found out that nothing makes you shout like substance will. Some people shout don't know what they're shouting about. That's strange fire. Verse number two, they went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Now, take your Bibles and turn back to chapter eight. This is where we have spent the last several weeks. Let's look at another aspect. Highlighting the seriousness of Christianity. We said that strange fire happened in Leviticus 10 because the consuming fire had not been sustained. They let the, they let the right fire go out. So then their current forest was from a wrong source. Listen to me, child of God. When what God gives you, you don't keep going, then you're forced to come up with your own stuff. Somebody help me preach. And this is what Nadab and Abihu did. They didn't keep God's fire going, so they came up with their own fire. But the third reason is because the Christian focus is not serious. Fully separated, you had to be clean, wash yourself, familiar with the supernatural, the Urim and the Thummim, these were stones given to find out the mind of God. Nobody needs to be leading worship who doesn't know what God wants. Last week, filled with the Spirit. How many of you believe in the anointing? then if you believe in it, you, it'd probably behoove you to know what it is. If you're anointed by the Spirit. Dispensationalism teaches us that there was a time in, in Scripture where the Spirit would come upon someone and leave. That's dispensationalism. That's a different age in function of God's power with his people. We're not in that age anymore. So this is not the age of the Spirit coming and leaving this is the age of when you get saved, the Spirit comes to stay. That's not Pastor Baldwin's opinion or the position of Crossroads Baptist Church. That's what the Bible teaches. What know you not? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have a God, and you're not your own. For you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Pastor, you're talking too fast. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Look it up when you get home. It's there. Romans chapter 8. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to God. Romans 8. Whoso have not the Spirit of God is none of his. You are not God's child if you don't have his spirit. 
You don't get God's spirit by screaming for 10 minutes. You get God's spirit by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that moment, the spirit comes to live inside of you. And it's important that he's there because the work of regeneration is a work of his. The work of conviction is a work of his. Jesus said, no man can come except the Father draw him. The Father is drawing you through the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost draws you to Christ. He convicts you of your sin. John 16, reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to tell you that you're wrong. I knocked on doors. People say, I don't believe I'm a sinner. Let the Holy Ghost talk to you for a while. You'll know it. So he convicts you of your sin, convinces you that you need Christ. And then you put your faith and trust in Christ. Believe he died, was buried, and rose again. And from that moment, the Bible says, Titus 3, 5, regeneration takes place. The Holy Ghost comes inside, takes your dead spirit that died with Adam, quickens it again in Christ. You go from dead to alive. You go from death to life. You go from a child of Adam to a child of God, headed to hell, headed to heaven. And the Holy Ghost comes to live inside of you. You get the spirit when you get saved. But being filled is not getting the spirit. Being filled is when the spirit gets you. So you can be saved and not anointed. Oh, man. Saved and not anointed. Saved and not filled. So stop telling everybody I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, unless you know what it is. And certainly don't say you Holy Ghost filled and a few words later say a cuss word. Because you may be filled with some ghost, but it ain't the Holy One. Pastor, what's your position on lifting up hands? My position is what Paul's position was to Timothy. Holy hands. Well, I just want to praise the Lord. Just praise him. With, make sure your hands ain't dirty. Man. You don't want dirty hands touching your food. You think God wants dirty hands touching his? Preach, pastor. I'm, y'all want to sit down? <clears throat> I remember one preacher. He forgot we were standing up. We was, I let, some of y'all got an iPhone. How long you stand in line for that? Well, yeah, don't act like you don't have, don't act like your legs hurt. They were, they was working real good that day. I'll let you sit down in just a minute because my wife, she'll be telling me about it later. I'm trying to stay married. Ain't no good in being anointed if you, if you by yourself. <laughs> by the way, if you're anointed, you'd be a good husband. You're known to be a good wife, and you, you, you're anointed. Don't, 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 don't tell me you're all good at church and sorry at home. Well, you're not anointed. Well. All right. Let's get to the text here. Let's, let's go to verse number 33. Chapter 8. Y'all didn't go back to 10, did you? Chapter 8. A lot of pages flipping. Stay at the right place. I know what you're thinking. Well, tell us where it is. Leviticus 8, 33. All right, we're there? All right, let's see if you're really there. What's the first three words? All right, because, y'all, some people be lying. <laughs> Pastor say, everybody, if you find your place in Leviticus, say amen. And people still turning. Why'd you say amen? <laughs> Don't listen to everything unless you know what you're talking about. Ye shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation in seven days until the days of your consecration be at an end 
for seven days shall he consecrate you. As he had done this day, so the Lord commanded to do to make an atonement for you. Therefore, shall you abide at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation day and night, seven days. Next phrase. And what? Say it again. Keep the charge of the Lord. Can I paraphrase? Do your job. Your job is keeping the charge of the Lord. You're manning the sanctuary. You're handling the sacrifices. You're representing the people. You're worshiping God. Keep the charge. Why? You're that you die not. Well, some of you are saying, well, I must be keeping the charge because I'm still alive. Well, contextually, the priest didn't keep the charge. He would die physically. There's a whole lot of Christians who are living some dead spiritual lives. So you may be alive but dead. So Aaron and his sons what did what? All things which the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Now, Father, bless, cleanse empty and fill me. In Jesus' name, amen. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Some of y'all ain't going to even listen to the message. You mad for how long you stood up. (laughs) So just how serious is the Christian life? James puts it this way. Be afflicted and mourn. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Cleanse your hands, ye double-minded. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Here's, here's what James is saying. The Christian life is not a joke. Here's why I'm troubled. Everybody in here says about something. Some of you real serious about social media. I mean, you committed to it. I mean, you keep it updated. I mean, all your business is on there. I don't have a social media account, but I have spies. People are serious about it. I mean, people make sure they post and they make sure they check. Some of you have had to do that during the service because you're so serious about it. Some of you are serious about sports. Watch it now. We might have that Bible story where they threw somebody from the top, from the balcony. <laughs> Whole bunch of people are serious about politics. How many would admit today you're serious about food? Come on. Me too. Here's the problem. Very few people are serious about the Christian life. That's a problem. The compartmentalization of Christianity has put us in an arena where we have 
placed what we do for the Lord in a category like we place other things. I go to work, I eat, I sleep, I spend time with family, I work out, I play sports, I'm a Christian. No, 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 no. The Christian is not a category equal with the rest of them. A Christian is who you are and it regulates the rest of them. So, so you're not a Christian and a sports player and a golfer and a student and a child and a friend and a cousin and a preacher and a deacon. And, no, 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 no. You're a Christian golf player, a Christian friend, a Christian deacon, a Christian worker, a Christian cousin, a Christian father. Put anything you do and put Christian in front of it or else Christian is not serious enough. So... The priesthood in Leviticus chapter 10, and Nadab and Abihu, Aaron and his sons, ordained by God to be priests, and now the qualifications or preparation of their priesthood demonstrated here in Leviticus chapter 8, demonstrated in the fully separated cleansing, demonstrated in the familiar with the spirit, in the ephod and the urim and the thumb. In other words, they were able to get the mind of God before they made a decision. Every child of God should want the mind of God before you make a decision, before you move, before you take a job, before you retire, before you say, I do, before you tell somebody you want them to marry you, before you, before you go make a major decision, you should want the mind of God. Not that it works out, not that it seems good, not that they're cute, but what does God say and sometimes our labor is in other areas but that not that the filling of the spirit depicted in the anointing did we see that in verses 30 verse number 30 and then verse number 31 he talked about boil the flesh at the door of the congregation eat the bread in the basket of the consecrate consecrations Aaron and his son shall eat it, and that which remaineth of the flesh of the bread shall ye burn with fire. This is the consecration now, verse number 33 is where we come today. The consecration in the tabernacle. So here it is, fully separated, familiar with the sovereign or the supernatural, filled with the spirit. If you're taking notes today, here it is, fixated on service. Fixated. To be fixated can be negative or positive. You can be so fixated on something that you can't see what's important around you. Somebody trying to talk to you, but you're so fixated on something, you're so staring at something else, you can't see what you need to see. But fixated can also be positive. Because sometimes there needs to be a fixation in our lives that says to us we are so focused on something, so, so hooked on something that other distractions will not prevail. Ladies and gentlemen, here were the priests in their consecration process to minister to the Lord on the behalf of the people. He said, you must get in the temple and stay there for seven days because the seriousness of your office demands fixation. A few thoughts for you to take home with you today. Purposeful solitude. Prolonged stay. And perspective soberness. Again, purposeful solitude. Prolonged stay. And perspective seriousness in the text. Let's look at these to make sure that the pastor is not manufacturing them. Verse number 33 of chapter 8, 
ye shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation in seven days until the days of your consecration be at an end. For seven days shall he consecrate you. That consecration is the separation for service. It is the process for which, through which the priests are to go so that they are adequately. Now, listen, please listen, please listen. Out in the court, outside of the tabernacle, people are moving about and, and fellowshipping and speaking and, and conversing back and forth. Nothing they're doing out there is wrong. Nothing they're doing out there is bad. But God said, what you're getting ready to do for me is so serious. I don't want you meandering around talking to and playing and laughing and socializing. You need to stay in the tabernacle by yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not good publicly as Christians until we're right privately. What's missing in the Christian life today when it comes to serious priesthood? Not enough. Solitude. Yeah, th don't worry. This is not going. This this is not going to be a segment that's that's going to elicit much noise. Good, because I want to talk to you about your time alone with God. I said your time alone with God. I'm not talking about how good you are in church, how good you are in the choir, how good you are in a crowd. I'm talking about how good are you when you're in the presence of the one who knows your ins and outs, who knows your ups and downs, who knows your frailties and your faults, who knows your thoughts, your uprising and your downs. I'm talking about how good are you with the one that walks with you and talks with you. Do you spend solid, I'm talking about purposeful, I'm not talking about oversleeping, I'm not talking about getting stuck where you can't get out of somewhere, I'm not talking about getting broke down and it's just you and God, I'm talking about on purpose, carving out a time, a spot, a place of uninterrupted, prioritized time because what I'm getting ready to do out there is a, empowered by what I do in here. Purposeful solitude. Yeah. I'm talking about in this, in this thing right here. This book. How much time are you in it? Every spiritual failure is connected to our personal time with God. Let me say it again. Every spiritual failure is connected with our personal time with God. And all the people around here just scratching their head. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe she ended up there. He's such a good Christian. She's such a nice girl. They seem like they love God so much. I wouldn't have never thought that about them. They know so much about, listen to me. You go mark out his life, her life. You're going to find out somewhere in there where y'all couldn't see. They were getting up, singing in the choir, teaching Sunday school, preaching at the church, telling everybody what to do. But at home, them and God weren't doing nothing. So here's what Aaron is to tell his son. Yeah, we washed you. Yeah, we got you got your ephod, you got your urim and your thumb. And we've anointed you with oil. But look here. This tabernacle where you are, seven days. Stay. Stay. Don't go out there. Don't go out there. Watch. Look, at, look at me. Look at me, church. You want to be a good Christian? Yeah, once in a while. You got to pass on get-togethers because you've already got one scheduled with God. 
It doesn't mean you have to be a recluse. It doesn't mean you have to be a hermit. It doesn't mean you can't hang around anybody. I'm just telling you, you ain't no help to nobody unless you first get help from God. And we've got people that are out there trying to be a social Christian butterfly and they've never spent time with God. So could I offer you some practical tips? That was a rhetorical question. I really don't. Get you a time to spend with God. Daniel had a time. Here's my suggestion. First thing in the morning. Now, okay, that was about nine people. So most of you don't read in the morning, huh? I'm going to tell you. The best way to get your day started is with Jesus. Got a time. How about a place? Good to have a place where you and God meet. Designated for him. I mean, when you were dating, did you have a place? You have a place where you work? place where you get stuffed up? How about this, fellow? You have a place where you watch the ball game? You don't want nobody messing with that place, do you? Huh. You ain't the only one. Don't feel bad about it. The rest of them just scared to say so. Where's your place with God? Where's, where's the time when you say, I got to stay? Other stuff has to wait. Kids don't bug me. Honey, I need, a, I need a little bit of time. I've got to set aside time. I'm not going to merge it. No, 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 no. This is time that I need with God by myself, by myself, purposeful solitude. There's something special. Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. There's nothing in the world like waking up in the morning to know that I can get in the zone. I can get in the, the epicenter of God's presence. And when I'm there... Everything dangerous cannot hurt me because I'm with God. Mm, mm. Purposeful solitude. Prolonged stay. In the congregation seven days until the end. As you have done, so the Lord commanded you to make atonement for you. Verse 35. Therefore shall you abide at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation day and night seven days. Keep the charge. Now watch this now. These sacrifices they were offering, they were to continue doing it for seven days. You know know what God's saying? One and done don't work. Uh, Listen. How many of you know that uh, every squirrel going to find something every once in a while? But Christianity is about continuity. It's about consistency. I tell you what America's missing. It's missing Christians they can count on. I'm talking about Christians that, just, just listen. Some of you fellas know, you go to the gym at a certain time every morning, somebody going to be there. You know you go to the job, somebody going to be there. Some of us are reliable in every area that manages to trivialness. We're reliable about working out. We're reliable about this. Listen to me. May God help the wives at Crossroads Baptist Church to know I know good and well every morning my husband meets with God. Every morning my husband prays to God. Every morning my husband, God help the children to no, 
know my mama walks with God. Help the parents to know my children walk with God. Ladies and gentlemen, somebody out there is looking for you to give them something and you don't have nothing to give them if you didn't get nothing from God. So he says, prolongs to keep the charge. Everything I told you to do, priests, do it for seven days. Because listen to me, it's not real until it's sustained. One more and I'm finished. Perspective seriousness. The Christian life is perspective. Keep the charge of the Lord that ye die not. Here's, Here's what Aaron is telling his sons. This thing of worship before God is so serious that fooling around will get you killed. Now I'm asking you today, is your Christian life, please listen, is your Christian life so serious to you it's a matter of life and death? How, how negotiable is your Christianity? I mean, what, what's, what's really on the table for you? What, what areas of the Christian life do you live that are up, that are, that are for sale? I'm, with, I'm, I'm just asking. Is your purity for sale? I'm talking about you single and unmarried. You say they're one and the same. Well, whatever one you label yourself Is messing around an option for you? Oh, boy. Because if it is, you ain't serious about the Christian life. What about your language? You know, every once in a while, words just kind of slip out. They don't slip out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. They don't slip out. They come out because they were in there. And they're not French. They're profane English words. And if you speak other language, if you cuss in that language, and don't nobody know what you said, God speaks all other languages. So he knows what you said. It ain't a cuss word. They don't understand it. He does. Is your language negotiable? By the way, there's a whole lot of Language that Christians use that isn't profane, that's not appropriate. Just because it's not a cuss word doesn't mean that you should be saying it. He said, keep the charge that ye die not. Guys, be serious about this. Don't, don't spit out anything. Don't. You can't do anything. What about where you go? Is that serious? You have enough Christian guts to say, I'm not going because Christians don't belong there. Not because I was tied up, I couldn't afford it. See, people, are, people will remove all those excuses. I, I was tied up. I, I'll call you, boss. I can't afford it. I'll pay your way. Then you start stuttering. Uh, uh, uh. 
I'm going to tell you what Christians need to do, and then I'm quitting. Here's what we need to do. We need some men of God, women of God, some young people that will just hit the ground running from the moment you enter a relationship, a conversation, a job, an arena of functionality. You just get it on out the way from the jump. Hey, everybody, I'm a child of God. I don't cuss. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't chew. And I don't spend quality time with those that do. Amen. Just let them know. Let them know. I go to church on Sunday. Look, man, I'm married. I don't flirt with other women. I don't listen to nasty jokes. I'm not going to no parties with you. Listen, just get you. I don't want people not to like me. You know what you're doing? You're going to eliminate potential propositions. And when they have some dirty jokes and some bad parties and some wicked foolishness, they're going to go around the room and hit you and go, beep, 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 skip, skip, skip. Beep, beep. No, you're going to, listen, I'm just saying the best thing you can do for your Christian life is get it out there from the get-go. I'm a priest of the Most High God, and there's certain stuff I don't do. Because I'm not comfortable doing that with you and going up in church and doing what God does. Because for me, it's a matter of life and death. Our Father, I pray that you help us. We have got to be more serious about the Christian life. Help us. Help us. Heads are by and eyes are closed. If God has spoken to your heart, I'm going to give you the opportunity to to make your way to the altar and do business with God. That's serious. It's that serious. Some are already coming. You don't have to, but I'm going to give you a chance to. Sometimes we need to make a move. It is serious. And stop persecuting people that call it serious. They're not overreacting. They are being perspective in their Christian life. Pastor, I'm saved and going to heaven. I have Bible reasons to substantiate my salvation. Would you raise your hand all over the building? I know the Lord and I'm going to heaven. I've accepted Christ and God bless you for it. Aren't you glad about it? Pastor, God spoke to me, spoke to me about my Christian life and the seriousness of it. If that's you, would you raise your hand all over the building and you talk to God about it in your own seat, in your own heart and mind. God bless you anywhere and everywhere. God bless you. I'm not policing you. I'm, I police me. Stay on myself. First Corinthians chapter 9, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Nobody's going to check you but you like you can. Amen. Last, lastly. Pastor, I'm not sure if I die today, I'd go to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Anybody like that? Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Pastor, I'm not sure if I die today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm positive I don't want to go to hell. Anybody like that would slip your hand up. Anyone else? Anyone? Then, Christian, let's, let's be, let's, let's, let's be proactive, Okay? Making, making actionable steps today. What can you do today to be serious? 
We got to put, we have to put stuff in practice. Keep coming back every week, you know, confessing the same thing. God help us. It is serious. Father, help us. Use your word. Speak to us. And give us a a spirit of willingness to do what you say. You're working. But our effect publicly fueled by what happens privately. Help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're glad you came to church, say amen. Let's give God the praise.